When it comes to correcting others, we're all over the map, aren't we? We do it well. We do it not so well. We do it somewhere in between. We can do it harshly. We may choose to do it behind their backs. We call that gossiping or maybe slander. And then there's other people who decide to cave to their insecurities, daring not to bring up tough conversations with that person that they're struggling with. Now, perhaps you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't say anything to the person. Maybe you should overlook the offense. I'm throwing out all kinds of options here because, well, we live in a pneumatic world, meaning we are walking in the spirit and Every person doesn't get the same carbon copy response from you, and so we need to do it differently. But in this podcast, I want to talk about if you believe it's right and you do need to rebuke or confront someone, you need to bring a corrective to someone, there is a way to do it. I'm not suggesting that we do it every time, but when you do do it, There are 10 sequential and vital steps when correcting someone. And I want to talk about those 10 sequential and vital steps should you choose to correct someone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am so glad that you are here Thank you for joining us on this podcast. As you know, we have we have made a significant change. We have been making many significant changes. We have made more changes this year, probably collectively. I haven't added them all up, but probably collectively, we have made more changes this year than the first 12 years of our ministry. This has been a remarkable change, and well, why not? 2020 is on its head. 2020 is the year that many of us just want to forget, but 2020 is the year that none of us will ever forget. And so, well, we decided to do something different. Maybe we could do something redemptive. Maybe we could do something positive. Maybe maybe we can enhance what we do and, and how we present ministry to others in such a way that it can be really phenomenal. It can be fantastic and kind of counter to how it seems like most everything else is going with our ministry. Robert just wrote in on our live chat feature. Did you know we have a live chat feature? We do. Sometimes it's on. We can turn it on. It's that little blue button in the bottom right of our website. And if you click on it, sometimes it's on, and you can talk to a a real, live, non-robotic person who talks to you in real time. That's been happening all day today. Other times, you click on it, and it'll just take you right to email, and you can send us an email. Either way, we will be super responsive to you. And Robert said, Robert is a pastor who has been supporting our ministry for a long time. He said, I really love what you're doing with the website. Well, thank you, Robert, and also thank you for noticing. Then Robert also said, he said, where's the search feature? And then as we problem solved where the search feature on our website is, it's in the upper right-hand corner of our website. It's a magnifying glass. He did not see that, and what he had done is that he had pulled, he had shrunken his uh, page, our website, down on his computer 
on his desktop so small. If you if you grab it on the right hand side or the left hand side and pull it one way or the other, you know you make your you, you make the page shrink. And as it shrinks, well, eventually it will turn into a mobile view. And so you can have a mobile view on your desktop if you shrink our website, if you pull the page in small enough. And that's what Robert did. And so he didn't see the search feature because he was looking at the mobile view, not the desktop desktop view. And so if you don't see that magnifying glass in the top right-hand corner, well, you probably have shrunk in your the web page to the mobile view. And if you do that, you can just look in the drop down like you were using your desktop as a mobile phone, and you'll find the search box in the drop down from the mobile view. Otherwise, check out the magnifying glass. Well, what Robert did, he's expanded the page just a little bit and, and realized what he did and realized he had a desktop version that he could use on his desktop. And so I hope that makes sense to you. And then RB254. I don't know who that is, but uh, she, well, this person, uh, again, I don't know if it's he or she, but this person gave us a review for our podcast, RB254 from Canada. Thank you so much for giving us a, a, a review. And this is what this person said. The material produced by Rick Thomas and his team is phenomenal. Sharing it is so easy. I recommend this podcast for anyone looking to progress in their own walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and anyone seeking to help others to do the same. Thank you so much, Canada, RB254. And then also from Canada, Slave to Christ, 94. Thank you. If you, she, uh, This person said if you tend to get stuck in works mentality, Rick can give you the tools to use God's word to change your stinking thinking. Highly recommended. And these two people, RB252 and Slave to Christ 94, give us a five-star rating. And and by the way, both of these folks are, are from Canada, so give it up for Canada. And then we have one from Charlene. She says, a five-star rating. Thank you so much, Charlene. Uh, Charlene said, Words can't begin to describe how helpful, encouraging, and transformative Rick's ministry has been. I've been greatly edified, convicted, sharpened by listening to the, this podcast. Rick has a way of truly helping people think biblically and redemptively, and I must say it has touched and impacted my life. Charlene, thank you so much for your kind review as well. I say all that to say to you, if you haven't written a review and give us, given us a five-star rating, I do want you to do that. And the reason I want you to do that, this is not an ego trip. It really isn't. Uh, my mission in Christ. I was just talking to a lady from Miami today, and I told her my mission in Christ is to take the gospel to every human on the planet and live 25 years after I die. And the reason I want to live 25 years after I die is because of point number one, to take the practical message of Jesus Christ to every person on the planet. And in order to do that, well, we use the redemptive use of technology. We use technology. Uh, we use computers, cyberspace, the internet, social media platforms. Social media platforms are like missional communities where we go into the missional community of Facebook and we share the practical message of Christ. And we do that with me, we, and 
Parler and Instagram and LinkedIn and YouTube and Vimeo and so many Pinterest and so many more. These are all different. Each of these missional communities are different. We don't treat them the same way. And so we want to go into each one and we want to share the message of Christ. And then we have the big, the mother church, the the big box store, our website shoved up in cyberspace where folks can come to us and dialogue with us as they have been doing today in our forums. And so if you can write these reviews on these platforms that you are using it, it, it tells the, the spiders and the, uh, on the web and the alg- algorithms uh, to, to say, hey, this is something that we want to spread far and wide. And so you can help us missionally by writing these reviews. And so it's not an ego trip at all. This is critical. And if you do appreciate what we are doing, then please take the time, stop, write a review so that the, the, the cyber spiders can crawl the net and, and, and they discern that people like this stuff and they want to send it out to others. And so that is a big deal. And so thank you uh, so much. It was RB254 and Slave to Christ 94 and Charlene. Thank you for those wonderful reviews. Now I want to get into episode 276. The title of it is 10 Sequential and Vital Steps When Correcting Someone. And we are all over the map. We live in a bully culture. We have been that way for a long time. Since about, well, let's say 2007 when Steve gave us the mobile phone and then all these social media platforms, they really took off. and, and, And then these missional communities that I'm talking about, like Twitter, for example, some of them have become very toxic, and people who who don't have a social filter have begin say began to say all sorts of things, and then we read that, and then we realize if we say something, then they come back in a very harsh way, and we've seen it in a corporate America where people have caved to uh, what one person says. For example, uh, one person, it was just one tweet. It was just one tweet. Somebody tweeted an anti-message against Abigail Schreier, who is a lady who wrote a book on uh, transgenderism and the problems with transgenderism, and then Target, uh, because of that one tweet, they decided that they would pull that book from their shelves, and then they, re- they recently changed their perspective and put Abigail's book back on uh, their shelves, but one little tweet, and that's how we can be sometimes. We don't know how to correct each other, or we have been corrected so many times by those harsh tweets or things that have been said on Facebook that now that we acquiesce, we give in to this culture, and we do not speak our mind. And so we can be all over the map. We can just say, I don't care anymore. I'm I'm angry, and my anger is righteous, and therefore I'm just going to say whatever I want. And then sometimes we can really say that in a harsh way. And then there are other people who do cave to the bully culture, and they, they don't say what's on their mind, and, well, that's detrimental as well. But somewhere between being mean-spirited about what we say and being fearful of what we say is this happy sweet spot where we say what we say with an attitude that 
Well, it's it's the actual it's the right attitude. It is a biblical attitude, and and that's what I want to walk through in this podcast. Now, if you want to look at the show notes, I would love for you to do that. Go to episode. 276, and look at what I'm saying here. I'm giving you these 10 sequential steps. I am also, I have some other links here, and I would love for you to check out these links, and and you can read more on this idea of communication, because that is really what I'm talking about. And as always, like what Robert did today, he came to our forum. He actually had a question for Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger is our, our resident psychology slash biblical counselor slash disorder slash mental illness slash slash brilliant person who answers a lot of questions with folks who come to us who want to know biblical answers to how the culture describes our problems. And Robert did that today with Daniel, and Daniel gave him a, a good response to help him out. And we do want to be that dialogue ministry. And so you get on our forums and you ask us whatever it is that you need to ask us. I do want to say one thing about that. We had someone come today and and they wanted to put something rather personal on our forums, which people do all the time, and that is perfectly fine. There are several ways to do that. You can flatten it out. And so use uh, no nouns, no person, places, or things, or or change it in such a way that it doesn't identify any person, place, or thing, and you can communicate what you want that way. Uh, But if you do come on our website and you do want to be anonymous, then what you'll need to do is you'll need to set up your username and your profile name. It needs to be fake. It just needs to be something else. It doesn't need to be your name because uh, people can go through the forums and get on your profile and see who you are. And so if that means something to you and where you want to be anonymous or maybe you're talking about something that you really don't want to be identified, I understand that. And I have no problem with that, but you'll need to set up your username and profile name. Those are two different things, your profile name and your username. You set those up anonymously, just pick something, you know, fish breath, whatever, or what this person did, RB252 in in Canada. But whatever it is, you you change it in such a way that it doesn't identify you, and then you can ask whatever question you wish. Episode 276, 10 sequential and vital steps when correcting someone. Sequential and vital, meaning there's the first thing you do, and then you move from there. The first thing that you do, this is the first vital sequential step. When you want to correct someone, start in your closet asking the Lord to give you a divine perspective on this individual. Now, that's not going to fly too well on Facebook because Facebook is a a drive-by shooter platform where we see something and we, and we just respond in such an impulsive way. And so you're going to have to ask yourself, am I going to be managed by the Spirit of God or am I, am I going to be mar- managed by the gods of Facebook? And if you're going to be mar- managed by the gods of Facebook, then you're going to see the quote, you're going to see the blurb, you're going to see the comment, and you're just going to respond, boom, just like that, with no self-control, no discretion, no social filter. And if you cave to that, where you're going to find yourself in all kinds of relational conflict, and if you communicate in the way 
that some people work through streams on social media, you're going to find yourself in a bad relational spot quickly. And so I would appeal to you, and this applies to if you're responding to text messages or email, because we can do the same thing. We can respond impulsively. Think of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, self-control. Now, implied in self-control is patience. There's other things implied as well. As I said, discretion, meaning you have to have a social filter. You need to think rightly. You also realize that you're responding in a in a community context when you respond on Facebook. There can be anywhere from two others to, to thousands of other people looking in on what you are saying. And it's just, it's not wise. It's not biblical. It's not kind. It's not spirit-led when we respond in, in harsh or aggravated ways to some of the stuff that we see in our culture or what we see in other people. And that's, that is why I am suggesting to you that, that you start in your closet, not on the social media platform. Or, or maybe in your, if you're in the church building, that you just don't respond quickly is what I'm saying. If it's at the Sunday church meeting, maybe you want to wait till next Sunday, or maybe you want to wait till Monday and meet them in a more private setting after you've had 24 hours to think about it. Going back to email, that's a one of the things that I've learned. It's taken me a while to learn this, but I think I've I think I finally have it now. I think I've nailed it now. Is don't respond to email a frustrating email as soon as you get it. I have done that too many times and perhaps you have done it as well and once it goes out there you 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 try to grab it and to pull it back and you can't retrieve you can't retrieve it it's gone it's that ready fire aim mindset some people just ready fire and they never do aim and you can do that in email and sometimes it's best just to write out that email and don't send it or or Sometimes in marriage counseling where the couple is separated, I would say a similar thing. It's like, I want to tell them this. We've had some people come on our forums. They said, this is what I want to write. This is what I want to say to my spouse. And then they will put it right out there on the forum. And I would look at it. And it's like, ah, nah. And we just did this last week or maybe two weeks ago where I told the person, I really do not recommend that you send that email or, or send that note to your spouse. Sometimes it's, now it could be okay to write it, write it out, and then you come back to it a day later or two days later, write that email out, and then come back to it 24 hours later, let it sit overnight, let somebody else read it. But my point here in step number one is start in your closet asking the Lord to give you a divine perspective on what you are about to do. And so part of what's implied in this first sequential step when correcting or confronting someone, this is episode 276, you're trying to slow down the process. You don't want to get into that right at that tat, 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 tat communication with someone because you will say the unsavory thing. But there's another aspect that I want you to see here. Start in your closet asking the Lord to give you a divine perspective. Okay, so there's self-control implied here. There is patience implied here. You're slowing down the process. But there's two other things implied here. One of those things is you're going vertically to have a conversation with the Lord before you go horizontally and have a conversation with another person. And that, I'm not sure if there's, 
this is this may be one of those absolute moments where I want to say that that this is this is right every single time. That's probably correct. That's probably an absolute statement. You want to do this every single time, even if the prayer that you breathe uh, is such a a short prayer. Sometimes you may may need to spend more time in the closet uh, talking to the Lord before you communicate with the individual. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm, I'm going to say this absolutely, that you always want to start vertically, because as I was thinking through this just now, I, I was realizing that one of the things that I say to our mastermind students in our training is that counseling is prayer and prophecy. Counseling is prayer and prophecy. And what I mean by that is that uh, when you're counseling somebody, you're having two conversations going at the same time. The first conversation is between you and the Lord. God, give me a clue. God, illuminate my mind. God, give me a text. God, help me to apply the right scripture to this individual's life. However you say it, you're talking to God, asking Him to asking the Spirit of God to help you in this situation, this discipleship counseling situation. And so that is prayer. And then number two is prophecy, which what I mean by that is that you're just speaking forth what you believe God wants you to say to this individual. And so step number one, start in your closet, asking the Lord to give you a divine perspective. Now, that means you need to stop and slow down. It doesn't mean you don't want to take three days for every conversation that you have. Again, it could be just a short pneumatic prayer, God, give me the words to say in this moment, and you go for it. Other times, you want to wait five minutes. Maybe you want to wait 24 hours. But then the second aspect of this tip is not just that you are slowing down the process, not just that you are vertically talking to the Lord, uh, but, but the other point here is that you want a divine perspective. And what I mean by that is this. If the person that you are talking to is a, a Christian, or if the person that you are correcting is not a Christian, you won't have a divine perspective on this individual. All right, so let's say that the person that you are wanting to correct is a Christian. You need to always remember that you are correcting God's child. If that person is a Christian, that means that God has come into this person's life sometime in the past before you ever showed up, before you ever got to this point to correct them, that God was already there. God has been actively working in this person's life, that this is God's child that you are correcting. That is a divine perspective is what I'm talking about. Point number one, start in your closet asking the Lord to give you a divine perspective on this individual. And part of that divine perspective is this person is God's child. Perhaps you can think about it this way. Let's say that you were going to correct your friend's child. You have a best friend. They have a child, and you're going to correct this child. You'd, you want to keep in mind that this is my best friend's child, and so I want to treat this child with the utmost respect and honor, and gentleness, and kindness, even as I correct them for something that I believe that they are doing wrong. That's what I mean by a divine perspective. And so if the person is a Christian, you are correcting your best friend's child. You're, you are correcting God's child. And without that divine perspective, you could just blow in and blow up and blow out and do a lot of damage and not have that divine perspective that you're correcting a child of God. Now, if the person is not a Christian, well, then that is a person made in the image of God, as James talked about in James 3. 
where he says that we we bless the Lord and we curse others who are made in the image of God. And so even if that person is not God's child, they are made in the image of God, and you want to steward that. So step number one, start in the closet asking the Lord to give you a divine perspective. Step number two, address your motive. Is your motive with this person, is it redemptive or punitive? And that's where slowing down will really help you in the process. If if it's redemptive, it's going to build up the other person. If it's punitive, it's, well, it's just going to feel like that. In Ephesians 4.29, is corrupting. It has a decaying, a deteriorating, a tearing down effect on the individual. And so you want to address your motives. And sometimes this is one of the reasons why it's best to slow down before you correct the individual, because it gives you time to address your motives. We can be so subjective in how we see things, especially if we are reacting in the moment. And our impulse is to say that what I am saying to this person is righteous anger. And I've heard that so many times. And it's like, was that righteous anger? Maybe you want to ask the person that you just corrected if it was righteous anger. Did, did they feel like it was a redemptive moment to them, or or does it feel more like a, a beatdown? So number two, you want to address your motives. Are your motives redemptive, or are there are they punitive? Number three, ask the Lord to give you divine affection for the person that you are going to correct. If you don't have affection for the person that you are correcting, then you need to spend more time in the closet. Go back to point number one. And part of the affection may be what's like, what do you mean? I need to be lovey-dovey with this person? I, I just really need to like this person? No, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You're, you're correcting God's child, or you're correcting someone who is made in the image of God. God, minimally, on the most basic level, you should have that kind of affection. I'm not talking about feeling warm and fuzzy about the individual that you are correcting, but just knowing that that person is a child of God or a person made in the image of God is going to give you a little bit of divine affection for this person. And so ask the Lord to give you divine affection for the person that you are correcting. Number four, address your frustrations that you have with the person. One of the most effective ways to address your frustrations that you have with someone is to remember that you put Christ on the cross. You put Christ on the cross. There is no place for self-righteous corrections, meaning you're greater than, better than, looking down on another individual. There is no way that you or I can look down on anyone, and it doesn't matter who that person is, when we realize the most wicked crime that ever that has ever been committed is putting Christ on the cross, and we are guilty of that. That's also another way, point number three, to have divine affection for somebody is because you are well aware that you put Christ on the cross, and so you move toward this person in humility. Even though you could be so antithetical, you could be so oppositional to them and what they believe and what they're trying to do, those two things do not have to negate each other. Being oppositional to someone and having affection for someone, even on the most minimal level, that they're made in the image of God or they are God's child. But when you recognize, when you look through the filter of you putting Christ on the cross. It has a way of governing one's heart. So number four, address your frustrations that you have with the person. The way you do this is you put Christ on the cross, so there's no place for self-righteous corrections. Number five, remember that you are fallible. 
The only kind of people that can correct other people are imperfect people. Only imperfect people can correct imperfect people. Therefore, you want to proceed with caution. And for those of you who receive correction, I think it's important for you to remember that the only kind of correction that you can receive is from an imperfect person, meaning that the correction that you're going to receive is probably imperfect care because the person who brought it to you is imperfect. Now, I'm not justifying or rationalizing that you should give them a wide berth and they can just be very lousy in their corrections. But you do want to understand that only imperfect people can correct imperfect people. And so whether you're on the giving end or receiving end, there's going to be an element of imperfection in it. Number six, remember that you're working with incomplete information. That's just a nice way of saying we're not omniscient, that there is incomplete data out there. We don't need we, we don't know everything. Number six, remember you're working with incomplete information. Number seven, do not cave to the fear of others, which is one of the biggest things that all of us struggle with, the fear of man, insecurity, codependency. However we want to label it, what we're talking about is an element of insecurity when we are confronting someone. You cannot cave to the fear of others. And one of the ways that we can overcompensate by caving to the fear of others is that we can be harsh and aggressive and over the top. Well, that's just an, a simple reaction of, of trying to overcome the fear of others. And so you don't want to land in either ditch. Number eight, ask the other person how your correction felt to them. Perhaps you were harsh. I talked about this earlier that, you know, when people say that my, I was being, uh, that, that, that my anger was self-righteous. Okay, I'll go with that. Ask them, ask the recipient how it felt to them. Number nine, give them a plan to change. Don't hit hit and run with your corrections. Don't be a drive-by th- shooter. Give them a plan with your correction. Number 10, follow up the next day to see how you can serve them. Extend the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.